Hello, my name is Mark English and welcome to the Z Planet podcast. Uh, on today's podcast, we're going to have a little chat with uh, leading UFO researcher Malcolm Robinson. Now, this interview is actually from 2007 and was previously released on one of our Spiral Paranormal episodes. Uh, but this is actually unedited. So, uh, yeah, I think I'll just hand over to the 2007 version of myself and uh, let myself introduce you to Malcolm. Over to you, Mark. Malcolm Robinson is a founder member of Strange Phenomena Investigations, an organisation that carries out active paranormal and UFO research and has held regular public meetings since 1989. A prolific lecturer, Malcolm is famed for his lively presentations on UFO and other inspirational topics and has spoken extensively in England, Scotland and Ireland. Articles by Malcolm have appeared in many of the world's UFO and paranormal magazines. He has assisted many of the UK's national and regional newspapers in connection with stories concerning ghosts, spirits, poltergeists and UFOs. And has also been interviewed by many of the UK's radio stations. Malcolm, um, how did you become interested in strange phenomena? Well, I've always been interested in strange phenomena. Ever since I was a youngster, I eagerly bought up all the books I could on the various aspects of the weird and the wonderful. And I decided that if ever I was going to learn anything more about these fascinating subjects, then I would have to become more actively involved. And this I did. I joined various societies, one of which was uh, Bufora, which is the British UFO Research Association. I was a press officer uh, for quite a number of years. But in 1979, I formed my own society entitled Strange Phenomena Investigations. Now, the aims of SPI are basically to collect, research and publish accounts relating to most aspects of strange phenomena and to purposely endeavour to try and come up with some answers to account for what at present alludes us. We at SBI do not hold or express any preconceived ideas as to the nature of these events. We tend to keep an open mind. But I guess also it was part of a number of weird things as I was a youngster, Mark, that um, it happened to me that really made me you know, wonder about the universe, wonder about why these things operate. And I think it was that initial incidents when I was younger that sparked that interest. And that's why I've been, it's been the same interest of all these years down the line. So what was actually, was it, was it, what was that spark when you were younger? Was it a, a variety of things or one specific moment? It was a variety of things, Mark, that's correct. And very, very briefly, um, we'll just go through some if, if we may. Um, one of them is when I was uh, a youngster, I was probably about eight or nine, I was playing football in a school playing field. And it was a beautiful summer's day in Scotland, which is a rarity, but... <laughs> and um, a lovely sky, clear sky, and then suddenly my friend stopped and says, What's that? And they pointed up into the air, and there was this magnificent, beautiful, oval object, which clearly wasn't an aircraft, which clearly wasn't a helicopter. And I always remember, even at that young age, looking at this thing and being mesmerised by this thing, which had no um, wings or tail fins or anything, just moving very, very slowly in the sky. I took my gaze away from it for a couple of seconds, looked back up, and it was gone, completely gone. We, to this day, we don't know where it went. As um, a founder member of SPI, uh, can you explain a little about what your organisation wants to achieve since it was organized, uh, founded in 1979 and uh, what your lectures involve? Well, uh, the, the prime aim of SPI is obviously to investigate claims pertaining to the paranormal. Uh, by the same token, SPI are also here to unmask any fraudulent mediums, to unmask any shenanigans, if, you, if I can use that word, in the paranormal and psychic field. Because at the end of the day, um, I started off, even though I had these early incidents, 
I started off to disprove the subject of ghosts, okay. to disprove the subject of the paranormal. Because even though I had several incidents myself, I just didn't think there were any validity to them. It's like anything else, anything else in life, Mark. Once you start really putting yourself forward in this track, then yes, there's a lot of shenanigans. Yes, there's a lot of charlatans out there ready to pull the wool over your eyes. But I soon found out that there is no smoke without fire. That there clearly, clearly, clearly were a substance, a nucleus of phenomena that clearly defied explanation. And I'm not a scientist by any, I'm not a physicist or anything of those, those nature's uh, capabilities at all. But I can safely say that there's something very bizarre operating in this universe of ours. And we know so very, very little about ourselves. And it's to these mysteries that uh, SPI were more or less organised for, to look at these phenomena. Uh, we've travelled all over the, the UK. You mentioned lectures there. The main point of SPI as well is for myself and my colleagues to get up on that stage, be it Southampton, be it Swindon, wherever, and talk to the people and tell them what's going on and let them make up their own minds and show, show them all the photographs, the video footage, um, because we're living in the Steven Spielberg's age of DreamWorks Laboratory, Mark. You know that. You're mm -hmm. a filmmaker. Anything can be manipulated on a computer screen yeah. to look fanciful. I've always said the old thing about the camera never lies, doesn't apply anymore with digital <laughs> technology. Try it in Photoshop and you're well away, yeah, sure. Absolutely. Um, thankfully, the same technology can be used to prove a ghost photograph or a UFO photograph. Edge enhancement, colour contouring, pixel separation, uh, black and white. All that technology can be used and thankfully... A lot of that technology has proven that um, there's a number of photographs of ghosts, for instance, that stood the test of time. The Rainham Hall ghost yeah. is one, for instance. But fascinating stuff, yeah. You built up an impressive collection of reports and eyewitness statements. What is your take on A, really life after death, and B, the phenomena of UFOs? Well, life after death, again, um, I was very sceptical, as, as I've just already mentioned. And um, certain incidents, um, certain happenings in my life and speaking to people changed that. Changed that big style. I firmly, firmly believe that mankind survives the death of their physical material body. I do believe that there is a condition um, where each and every one of us will go, where each and every one of us will meet those who has went before, our fathers or mothers or brothers and sisters. Um, of course, we can then go into reincarnation. Uh, I used to, uh, I remember writing a letter to the Psychic News, a chap called Morris Barbineau, who's, who's, who's dead now. And I says, look, when I pass on to spirit myself and I go up expecting to see my mother, what if she's not there? You know, what if she's reincarnated and she's now in India? And his reply was that that doesn't happen, that uh, people will stay to meet and greet, because time... Time has no meaning, does it? Time has no meaning, correct, on the other side. So, therefore they would ensure that you would be met on the other side. Now, okay, it may sound fanciful and whimsical to some of your viewers, and I appreciate that. Do you think the barriers between spirituality and um, science are breaking down? Especially now you people go on investigations, they're taking equipment with them, scientific equipment. Also, within the last 50 years, the um, uh, presence of quantum, quantum physics yeah. has a lot yeah. to do with it. Well, what's your take on that? Do you think that the barriers are breaking down or are they get becoming further apart? Uh, no, absolutely not. I think the barriers are breaking down. Um, science and human understanding 
we have a lot to learn. We, we, we know that. Understanding is like a big, big, long ladder reaching from the ground into the sky. And humankind is only on the second run. Wrong. We're, we're so much to learn. And I think science is starting to produce um, mechanisms whereby we can look at this, this different universe, this different... I think it is all dimensional, absolutely. Mm. And when we speak about UFOs, it's not necessarily extraterrestrial. Again, it's dimensional. Now, that's the word. This is where I get interested. <laughs> exactly. That's, I think it's this dimensional thing again, yeah. Mm. And I think um, that they are, you know, all these different um, variations and dimensions are there. It's a multi-universe, if you like, you know, the quantum physics. And once we fully, fully, fully understand quantum mechanics, quantum physics, I think the answer will clearly lie in that, in that domain. Mm. Absolutely, 100%. I mean, years ago, um, I read about a device called the Spiricom. This device that you could, you know, it's like... Uh, you know the dead coming through this telephone device and then you've got this the TV sets where if on an offset channel you can see uh, photographs or pictures of, of the deceased and stuff I think we need to look at ways of going beyond the barriers going beyond this because although infrared form is fantastic um, videotape etc we need more than that yeah Absolutely. I agree yeah. we need more than that I think, I think especially with uh, going back to spirit, I think a lot of the Victorian ways of doing it, which are still evident now, are really need to be washed aside. I, th I think we need to look at a new way of exploring. There's no right or wrong way of doing it, I know, but yeah. we need to look at some new ways of yeah. trying to connect to that other dimension. So I totally, I'm totally agreeing, agreeing with you there. And that's why I'd like to see more and more scientists become involved with the subject. And the sad thing is, um, I don't think they're too quick to come into mm. our subject simply because of the peer pressure from their fellow colleagues, yeah, etc. Um, we've had that in ufology, Professor Mark, uh, John Mack, came into ufology and he got ridiculed left, right and centre. What on earth are you doing going into that subject? But he was such a fantastic guy and he gave ufology such a tremendous wealth of knowledge and understanding. People say to me, you know, would I be disappointed uh, when answers I truly come to the fore, i.e. If, if Loch Ness Monster was explained as a big sturgeon fish, for instance, would I be disappointed and pack my bags and go home? Um, I'd be slightly disappointed, but at the end of the day, mysteries are there to be solved. Mm. Um, it's SBI's belief and our insistence that we must try and get to the bottom of each and every mystery. I think with a lot of things also, going back to the, the Victorian way, if you know, we've had thousands of years of folklore building up misinterpretations and people still clinging on to those old ways uh, yeah absolutely folklore and, and misinterpretation of what people were trying to say in those days um is, is i think when you look at folklore and everything it has to offer you know i know it sounds bizarre like fairies elves goblins and stuff um people say that there is a dimension for these wee fellas as well can you tell us about some of the stories that you've witnessed and some of the events that you've witnessed Obviously because I'm a researcher, I'm putting myself into the, the front end of investigation. It's not just a case of reading about it, although that's part of what we do. It's getting out into the front line, so to speak. And the following stories that I'm about to relate to you um, did actually happen. One time we were in a house in uh, the village of uh, Stirling in central mm -hmm. Scotland. Uh, again, we were there because this lady claimed that um, there were strange things occurring in our house. There were ornaments floating up from the shelves, going back down. There were the usual cold spots, etc. There were voices in, in the house. She didn't know where they were coming from. It wasn't a TV set. It wasn't from outside. To cut a long story short, 
um, she took us uh, up into this one of the bedrooms where it was very, very haunted and a lot of phenomena occurred in this bedroom, covers being moved up and pillows going down, etc. SBI, we always work with fellow researchers and a really good psychic medium and the lady we used that night was a lady called Helen Walters. And we always work in darkness. Um, we set up the equipment with the lights on and then we you know, switch the lights off because we believe that it, it creates, it's a good ambience, it helps us and possibly helps spirit, maybe not, to come through. So once we were happy with the cameras, we switched um, the lights off and then we're sitting there looking about, listening, listening for any sound. And you've got to be careful because water pipes and the house uh, heats during the day and cools at evening and the floorboards can creak and people can misread signals as if it's spooky, it's a ghost and it's not, it's just the house cooling mm. down. So we're listening for all the sounds and, I, and then I question, why am I doing this? Nothing ever happens, you know, this is terrible, nothing's happening. And then suddenly the whole room exploded in a myriad of tiny pinpricks of white light. There were thousands of them all over the, the room, Mark. It was like a kid's November the 5th sparkler. Mm -hmm. You know those handheld yeah. sparklers? Like waving it about, whoa, what, what is this? And her psychic, very, very calmly, says, Malcolm, that's just pure psychic energy. I says, I love this, wonderful. And then maybe about 14, 20 seconds later, again, like the dimmer switch, it just dissipated. And the whole room was engulfed in blackness again. So we rushed to the VCR, press stop, press rewind, press play, fingers crossed, you must have captured this, surely the video cameras have captured this, play, nothing, absolutely nothing was there, and it's like I said before, even if we did capture something on tape, would anyone believe it, they could say it was manufactured, and this is, it's, it's, it's sad because these, these things you're trying to get a, a handle on, you're trying to prove to people, and that was, that was one of many different uh, incidents that's occurred mm. to me over the life, over the period of time that I've been involved in this subject. Um, one of the most fascinating series of uh, UFO sightings that I've ever been involved with occurred above the small Scottish town of Bonnie Bridge, which is situated in Stirlingshire in central Scotland. Now, um, initially how I came about that was I was listening to a radio broadcast on Central FM. It's a Stirling radio-based station. And they were telling their listeners about a wave of UFO sightings occurring above this small town. So I got in touch with the radio presenter. Um, they were interviewing a chap called Councillor Billy Buchanan, who was dealing with these sightings at the time. So I got in touch with Billy, and Billy welcomed me with open arms. He says, Malcolm, I just don't know what to do here. He says, I just don't believe what's going on here. I was elected to serve this constituency. I was elected to serve these people, be it you know, a broken fence, a broken water main, this, that, and that. But they're coming to me with these strange stories of UFOs. What am I going to do? So I got involved with Billy, and we did some initial research, and clearly there was a case to be answered. Some of the sightings in Bonnie Bridge defied explanation mark. These were not your aircraft, your helicopters, etc. Um, these were a case of X-shaped device, uh, um, lens-shaped device as well. There were lights coming down from the sky. A whole range of different things were being seen in the sky. They were sighted by youngsters, middle-aged people, elderly people, police officers, fire officers. A whole spectrum of different people were seeing all these objects in Scotland. It became so big that we, in 1994, we held a, a public meeting in the Falkirk Town Hall which drew 800 people 
to hear me talk, uh, a chap called Philip Mantle, and there was a rock band called CE4 uh, from Glasgow who write and perform their own songs in the UFOs. They were on stage. It was a wonderful night. 800 was there, and three to 400 people were locked out outside, couldn't get in. Dressing their finery, couldn't get in. You have no idea what was going on in, in those years. It's absolutely incredible. It soon made not only Scottish television, it made the BBC, it made uh, Yugoslavian, Italian, French television, it went all over the place. Uh, it's absolutely incredible. And um, some of the cases that I've been involved with in, in Bonnie Bridge, to me, um, are the real deal. Are the real deal. And I think there's something very mysterious going on in Bonnie Bridge. People say, well, why Bonnie Bridge? Mm. You know, what's so amazing about it? And the thing is, all we can safely say is that there are certain areas on this planet which are known as UFO window areas or hotspots, which attract a higher concentration of UFO reports than anywhere else. But why Bonnie Bridge? We really don't know. Um, the sightings were getting more and more. There were Every, every day there were more and more sightings coming to our attention. It got so bad, Mark, that we had to, we decided that we have to get something done about this. We just can't cater for all these sightings ourselves. So we then um, petitioned Prime Minister John Major, who was in power at that time, he was uh, the Prime Minister of the United Kingdom. Um, we petitioned him to come up to Bonnie Bridge and open up a government inquiry and give the people of Scotland a, an explanation as to what was going on. Sadly, that fell on deaf ears. Uh, the, the statement we got back from Downing Street was, as these objects do not constitute a threat to the defence of the United Kingdom, there will be no government inquiry set up to look at these sightings. We were very annoyed at that, Mark, because, as I said, these sightings were so close, you could have thrown a stone at them. And when uh, Tony Blair came into power, we then did the same. We petitioned Tony Blair. The same title statement. It was not a threat to national security. It is my belief that the governments of this world do indeed know more than they're letting on. Under the Freedom of Information Act passed initially in America some several or more years or so ago, many pre-classified government documents, NSA uh, and a whole range CIA documents, clearly showed that they did know what was going on, that they were aware of this. So when myself and my colleagues did some investigation into the British documents in Kew, we saw clearly that the British government has lied to the people of this country for many, many years, that they were aware of what was going on in the UK, and several of the documents we looked at were heavily blacked out, you know, and even then we still don't know what was going on. Thankfully, the French government, uh, Edward Galley, um, back in the 70s, uh, the French Prime Minister, he put his hand up to the French populace and says, there is something. There is something going on in the skies above France. And how I wish that the, the American government and the British government would do the same, but I think there's very little chance of that, Mark. Um, we're trying ever so hard to um, get more information, get more files, but I think the government, as I've already said, I don't think they're quite ready to open up the files as to what they have at the moment. But for me personally, here uh, in this day and age, I firmly believe that humankind is interacting with some form of non-human intelligence, something that's probably been with us from time immemorial. Christians say that God made man in his own image. So whose image 
small child-like body, the pear-shaped heads, the black inky almond so shaped the traditional greys. Yeah, absolutely. You, yeah. Do we have one god or a plethora of gods? You know, it just begs the question. We, SBI, since 1989, I've put on monthly lectures, uh, firstly in Scotland, then in London, and now in Surrey, in Croydon and Surrey. Um, that's every single month since 1989 I've put on lectures, admittedly apart from the last two years. Um, we've started up in Croydon now. We're bringing what we believe and hope to be some of the best speakers in the country on ghosts, on poltergeists, on Bigfoot, on various aspects of the weird and the wonderful. And we're giving them a chance. We're giving them a chance to go up there and talk about what they are involved with and what they love. And it gives a chance to the people of Surrey to come along and listen. They may not be converse, they may not be anything, but it gives them a chance as well to really find out if there's any substance to these stories. It gives them a chance to ask questions. Um, our next lecture is um, going to be a very, well, it's a very controversial lecture. It's Marcus Allen, who's going to be speaking, did we really go to the moon? And uh, he claims that he's, he has evidence to suggest that we didn't. Good opportunity for Joe Bloggs to come along and find it themselves. I'm going to be there for that one. Malcolm Robinson, thank you very much. It's been a pleasure, Mark.